This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James Pearce. Hiya, Jay. Hello Ian, how are you? I am very, very tired. Yourself? I'm, I'm feeling all right. Feeling Here. good. Yeah, refreshed. You, you don't really look it, to be fair. You look a little dishevelled, if you don't mind me saying so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do mind you saying so. <laughs> anyway, also joining us on this uh, lovely, what day is it? Tuesday, Tuesday, is the tallest member of the sports desk, even though I've been told not to say that anymore. It's Paul Gorse. Hi, Paul. <laughs> Hello, Ian. <laughs> it wasn't me who told you that, was it? <laughs> it was not you, no. It was, it was somebody else, but I just ignored them, as I tend to. What a no, rebel. I know, yeah. Rebel, rebel. Right, that, that was a shout-out for, Di- for, uh, for Debbie Prentice there. You'll understand that reference. Now, James, uh, we have got about less than two weeks now to the Champions League final between Liverpool and Tottenham to be played in Madrid on June the 1st. Uh, Liverpool's players jetted out to Marbella for their training camp that they went to um, yesterday afternoon, I think I'm right in saying that. Um, and there's been a little bit of an update already on the fitness of Roberto Firmino. Yeah, good news um, that Firmino was able to play a part with his teammates in the first session of the training camp today in Marbella. Um, and, the, and the plan is to kind of gradually increase his workload over the, the coming days. Um, so, yeah, I think you know, I think we wrote over the weekend that Liverpool were increasingly confident that he would be available and fit for the final on June the 1st. And he's certainly bang on track for that. And uh, it, is, it is a massive, massive boost when you think about his importance to this Liverpool team. I know, I know obviously, we... Liverpool progressed past Barcelona and produced that miraculous fight back without him, but uh, Liverpool are a much stronger lineup with Firmino in there. And uh, you know, barring any unfortunate setbacks, I, I think he'll make that starting starting lineup a week on Saturday. I think he actually missed four of the last five games, didn't he? And then the only game he did play was Barcelona, where he came on for about ten minutes and nearly scored. Had one cleared off yeah. the line, and yeah, and it obviously it was in that Barcelona away game where he aggravated it, and then. Um, you know, he he would have thought, I'm sure, at that point that that his season was finished. But uh, you know, I, I'm you know, I'm sure for him and Mo Salah, you know, the absolute joy of of that second leg against Barcelona, you know, magnified by the fact it's it suddenly, um, you know, given them this opportunity to to get back and and try and make amends for for what happened in Kiev a year ago. Gorsty, um they've just had five days off Liverpool's players. I mean, well that have a positive impact on them because you know we talk about Liverpool needing rhythm and Klopp's mentioned that a long time and I'm sure we'll mention it a bit about the three-week gap between games but after such a long season you'd have to think that just having four or five days off from absolutely everything I know Andy Robertson said the same thing it's just nice to just get away from it for a few days and not think about it of course it is it's like when you take your three weeks off isn't it at the end of every season three and a half weeks off yeah it's, you know a chance to recharge the batteries yeah I mean Liverpool were Every single game for the last, what, three months has been absolutely huge, hasn't it? And so much effort has been put into every one of them games. And there hasn't been many where they've won it at a cancer and, and been able to kind of take the foot off the gas. I can think of possibly Huddersfield off the top of my head and every other one of them has been, you know, fighting right till the very end. So, yeah, to, you know, not even as football, it's just as people. It's always good for, the, for them to have a few days off, uh, take a couple of days break with their families and... Uh, come back to it in, in Marbella and, and crack on for what's uh, the most important game of the season next Saturday. And James, you were, you were showing signs of stress and tiredness towards the end of the season. You, you had a nice three days off recently, didn't you? Did I have three days? I think I? it was three in a row, yeah. yeah. yeah Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah. You've been keeping account of it. Yeah, you? because I had to cover for you, yeah. Um, yeah, I needed it. Having, having <laughs> I had to have spent nine months travelling up and down the country with you. Um, 
but uh, <laughs> that's yeah. not very nice, was it? <laughs> no, no, but I'm not a very nice person. Yeah, the, you also fall asleep while driving. Yeah, you also fall asleep while driving once or twice. But you know, I, I just think the whole three week dynamic is a bit of a tricky one for mm. for Klopp and, and for Pochettino for that matter to handle because I think Klopp was was clever to give them that you know those five days off. I think they were they were in at Melwood for two days after the last Premier League game doing their <coughs> the usual rest and recovery sessions and then five days you know to a lot, quite a few of them went over to the Middle East other ones to to um you know resorts in Europe um because I think I just don't think there was anything to gain really from 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 having them in before before Monday when this training camp started in Marbella and you know the players were given the option or they didn't even have to report back to Melwood first they could just go straight to Marbella and a lot of them um, you know, took that opportunity as well because you know I think well I think what was it last year it was only two weeks wasn't it between the end of the Premier League and the Champions League and even that felt like an eternity at the yeah, time yeah and it's, you know it, it feels like time's really dragging now and you know and we're still you know a fairly long way out um, yeah it's you know that's going to be you know that will go a long way I think to deciding the outcome of the, the final how the two managers just try and avoid it you know it might have a bit of a strange feel to the game the fact that it's been that long I know I know Klopp was looking into the possibility of even having a some kind of friendly I in think, Marbella still, this I think week we're still trying to do that because they, yeah. um but of course the, the problem he's got with that is the vast majority of teams now have gone on holiday I know there was reports in Holland that they'd been ringing around various clubs there I'm sure Pep Linders was was uh was digging into his contacts book to try and try and get a game but you know essentially the, the ones they tried there they were told well no you know the players aren't around anymore. They've 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 gone away. Yeah, they can't even play a game against their own under twenty threes really because it's the same things that a lot of them have just gone there, haven't they? Yeah, um, you know, obviously he's taken enough players. I think did he take twenty six? I think twenty six yes. to, to Marbella. So you know, he's, he's got enough there to have an an inter squad game, but it's not quite the same, is it? You know, I think he would have wanted something a little bit more competitive. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a case of trying to get that balance right, isn't it? Between you know. You know, you don't want to you don't want to overwork the players. You don't want to you know you don't want them to be you know undercooked for a game of that magnitude. But you know, three weeks is a long time not to have played any competitive action. I mean, in, among those twenty six uh, players who've gone out to Marbella, Gorsty, one of them is Naby Keita, and I know that you wrote something recently uh, talking about Guinea. After Jurgen Klopp came out and basically said when Cater got injured against Barcelona, I think it was an adductor problem, wasn't it? And he yeah. said he's basically, he's, he's torn it. He's going to be out for at least two months. And the initial reaction from Guinea, uh, I think was it their president, was it? Who, 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 yes, who, I can't, can't quite recall his name off the top of my head. But yeah, he, he was the president of the, the Guinean Football Association. He told him to cal- get, pull himself together, it was, yeah, wasn't pull, it? Yeah, pull, yeah. pull, yeah, pull himself together. together. But anyway, at the weekend, there's been another report, this time from the... The, Paul, Putt. The, Paul, Paul Putt. Putt, great name by the way, Belgian. He's the Belgian Guinean boss. Um, oh, sorry, say the coach of the national team, and he has basically said that he claimed that he had been told that there was an outside chance that Cater could be fit for the Champions League final, and that he was working on the presumption that um, that Cater will be okay for the Africa Cup of Nations. And this was before uh, the squad was announced for Marbella, and and Cater was in it. So. What are we led to believe from that? Does Kate? I know we're just guessing here, but it, could it just be just a team bonding thing, making sure that he's there with the rest of them because he was obviously part of that journey? And yeah. you saw the clip, didn't you, when Liverpool beat Barcelona and he was at home and he was celebrating, take, ripping his uh, brace off, wherever, wherever it was, and jumping, hopping around his, his room. Yeah, when I when I read that story yesterday, I was surprised actually because I just think it's a case of just 
Guinea being so desperate to have their star man available for the African Cup of Nations, which begins about two weeks after the Champions League final. So I, I don't know whether the noise is coming from their campus that they're just so so desperate to, to get him fit and, and they're sending out mixed signals and information that might not be correct um, because everything that, that, that we've been led to believe is that Navigator would be out for, what, two months with, yeah. with the problem. So I think it, sending him to Marbella is very much just a part of the, the whole team bonding thing and I think Klopp, he's, he's always been keen to, to foster that, hasn't he, with every single one of his players and I think just bringing Kate along will just you know keep his mood up and um, it'll just, just be good for morale. I, I don't really see it. I mean, obviously Klopp's able to name 12 subs, isn't he, for, for the bench on June the 1st but I'm not sure whether Keita will be part of that because it was only what three weeks ago was it two weeks that he suffered that injury three weeks, yeah. three weeks yeah um, and there was talk of him being out for two months and there's what two weeks ago so it's difficult and I think it might just be a case of Guinea keeping the fingers crossed and um, hoping rather than expecting him to be uh, in Egypt for the African Cup of Nations you've not heard anything separate to well, that he, step, he is yeah. ahead of schedule there's no yeah. doubt about that yeah yeah but um no, I'd I'd be absolutely amazed if he if he was ready to play any any kind of part in the Champions League final. We've been I here think. before, haven't we, with players in the past where they've been rushed through to Champions League final. I think, was it Harry Keel? Was was he got well, rushed even, through? Didn't even he? last year, what was it Emery Chan? Yeah, was it, mm-hmm. and Lalana was it? I think were they both both carrying problems? I think ahead of the final and ended up obviously. Did Alana come on for Salah? Yeah, and Chan came on towards the end. Yeah, um, but I think you know the squad is that much stronger, looks that much stronger now that. Yeah, I think that would be a big difference to a year ago, where where you know Klopp felt his options were that limited. He had to rush people back. I don't think he'll think the same this time around. In terms of Cater going over to Marbella, uh, you know, another big reason is all of the staff have gone, so mm. there'd be absolutely no point in him staying at Melwood because he'd be doing shuttle runs on his own. So um, <laughs> you know, he's gone over to Marbella to to do his rehab sessions with the staff that he would work with usually um, at Melwood. I, I got told yesterday it was too early to say whether he's even got an outside chance of being on the bench for the final, which just the, the, fact, the fact that's even a question, well, the they, fa- wouldn't, they weren't ruling it out, suggests it's not going to be the at least two months, which, you know, that when Klopp said that, that, that took us up to the start of July, which mm. made you think, well, he's going to do well to even be ready for the start of pre-season. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't think these quotes from Guinea, they wouldn't, they're not, they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't just be blooming shooting from the hip without some kind of knowledge yeah. about, you know the, the the appointments he's had with with uh, with doctors, and I think even the Guinea boss said that he'd actually been. I think I think he said he'd been back to Switzerland, Switzerland yeah, been back to, to Switzerland, see, uh, and he was work and he was working on a bike now. Yeah, which um, you know all of that would suggest that he is definitely going to be fit ahead of what Liverpool initially thought. But in terms of playing in the Champions League final, I can't see that. But does the fact that, as Gorsi just hinted at then, they've obviously got this new rule UEFA where you can have 12 subs, which means there'll be a 23-man squad for the game, but basically like a World Cup game, isn't it? I think mm. they did it for the, the Super Cup game between Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid earlier this season. And if it goes to extra time, you can bring on a fourth sub. Was the fact that Liverpool can name that many subs, does that help Cater? Because what it could do then is, because I think I wrote something, well, I did write something earlier uh, over the weekend, looking up the players who could be on the bench. And you're looking at Woodburn or... Brewster Camacho, or, well, yeah. that's just Brewster was a definite, it, it, and then you still got room for one more, and that was with Cater not being available. So there is scope just to stick him on the bench and see what happens, or would that just be a complete waste if he's not fit? No, I think because you're allowed that many subs, it, it wouldn't be a waste, would it? Because I think 
if if where where maybe if you only add you could only name seven, you'd you'd think well you know it's just not worth worth the gamble. But with we've been able to to name more, I think it gives him that's that little glimmer of hope. But you know, I, I just you look you look at the that battle battle for the midfield places, and you know, there's going to be one very very disappointed midfielder as it is in terms of. Um, you know, I, I I think it's probably a toss up between Milner and Wijnaldum for for who starts alongside Henderson and Fabino, um, and even then I think I don't even think that for me that's not a massive decision. It's got to be Wijnaldum. So you know, you're talking about Milner missing out. Um, Milner played against Barcelona both games. Oh, no, no, he started both games against Barcelona, didn't he? And he started an awful lot of games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Klopp. You know, he is a bit of a go-to man, isn't he, in Europe mm. in terms mm. of. You know, you think of the contribution scored against Paris Saint Germain home and away. Yeah, Obviously, over, penalties, but but still. Oh yeah, you know, over the the two seasons as well. You think about his, you know, the <coughs> the impact he made on route to Kiev as well. Um, the assists and everything. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. You know, broke, broke the you know more assists than yeah. Neymar. How, how is he not player of the year? Is basically what we're <laughs> <laughs> But you know, that's the dilemma for him because I just think Fabino's been that good in the second half of the season. Mm. I don't see how you could possibly leave him out. Then you look at Henderson's form in the last six, seven weeks since he was, you know, for, since Fabino is, a, you know, he's, he's grown in stature to the point where Henderson's been freed up and given a license to attack for a bit more. And I just think them two are absolutely nailed on. So, um, so yeah, the, even, even the idea that you'd need to, to rush Cater back, I think it's not even, I don't even think that kind of figures at the moment. Is it going to be an interesting one, Gorsi, in terms of, as we've mentioned, the whole three weeks? <clears throat> uh, but we kind of know what the Liverpool team's going to be. You know, James just mentioned them. We, we know what the back four is going to be. The front three will be the front three, the keepers, the keeper. There probably will just be that one space in midfield that's up for grabs. But it's not just us that know that. It's going to be Maurizio Pochettino knows that. Mm-hmm. And he does like a good plan, good tactical battle yeah. with, a, with a, I know we've mentioned this before, the Ajax uh, game in the, in the semi-final. One of the reasons why we didn't really want Liverpool to be playing Tottenham in the final but for this very reason and it's come to pass that, that this is probably what's going to happen but with Tottenham there are question marks over certain players like is Harry Kane going to be fit and if he if he does play who drops out how can you drop Lucas Moura Liverpool don't they will have all these different scenarios but for Tottenham in a way it's a lot easier to prepare for the game in terms of dealing with Liverpool because they know what they're going to expect is there any suggestion then that Klopp might do something different when they're away in Marbella use this week that Perhaps he could do something different tactically, or, or, or you know, throw a curveball because he has done that quite a lot this season. Yeah, he did that against Barcelona away, didn't he? But I think that was more just to try and specifically cater to, to Barcelona's strengths when you're in the uh, in the new camp. I don't, I don't see him doing it in Madrid. I think, um, I think we're right, aren't we, in saying that it's a case of who's going to be the, the third midfielder at, at this moment? You'd probably even argue Klopp doesn't know. He, he might be looking at who does yeah. what in, in Marbella and, and weighing her up then. Um, Couple of pods back, we we had this discussion over who would be your ideal mid- midfield three if you were playing in the Champions League final tomorrow. <coughs> and um, at the time, I said Fabinho and Henderson, and then I'd be weighing up the strengths of the opposition. But looking at it now, with it being Tottenham in front of me, I still don't know who would pick. Possibly Wijnaldum, just ahead of Milner. But his experience, Milner's experience, is vital to a squad that's relatively young and. Um, he puts in these big performances, doesn't he? When, when he has to, um, he was excellent against PSG at home, um, superb against Barcelona. It'd be harsh to leave him out, but I just think Wijnaldum at the moment, especially coming off uh, off that performance against Barcelona, I think he'd probably be my my pick for the for the midfield three. 
Is this one of these games then, James, where without wishing to look too far ahead, that the team selection could end up <coughs> could end up influencing certain people's futures? In what way? In the way that, you know, if say that you're Wine Alderman and you don't get picked, say you're Milner and don't get picked, then at the end of the season when you know, regardless of what happens in the game, is that you're thinking, Well, why didn't he get picked for this game? Or because no, oh, this has happened in the past, hasn't it? Where you, you know the way we've been doing this job for years where certain people get left out of certain games and then it turns out that they now want to leave. You don't think there's any kind of sense of that up and just playing devil's advocate for a second. Here. No, I don't think so. No, because I mean you know as we sit here now, you'd have to say probably Milner's the most likely one to miss out. Yeah. Would would as a result of that the him that he then turn around and say you know, I don't fancy it. I don't, I don't see it. You know, why? Why would anyone not want to hang around at Liverpool at the moment? Um, and you know, he's you know, he's it's not as if it's not, it's not as if he's been like persistently overlooked. He played, he, he has played a big, big part in this season, and I think he's been around long enough to, as well to know that you know he'll know. I'm sure he'll be given absolutely everything in Marbella this week because he'll he's not stupid. He he will he will know that from the way that Fabino and Henderson have have performed. That he is probably, you know, competing as the outsider with Wijnaldum for that, for that final spot. But no, I, I don't, I don't see. You know, Milner's got another year left on what is a very lucrative contract. He's a massively valued member of the squad. Um, I, I don't, I don't see that situation changing, regardless of whether you know whether he gets on the pitch or not. Um, in in the final, I think the interesting. I actually think Pochettino's got the much harder job in terms of trying to finalise his eleven because. You know the intriguing thing is, you know, because they've got players who haven't played, you know, much and are coming back from injury. You know that is a real that's a real dilemma for him. You know, Kane's the the obvious one. You know, when he got injured against City, didn't he? Right at the start of April. So you're talking about he won't have played any football for two months. The and interesting thing about that is that when he was injured earlier in the season, Tottenham had that run where they scored loads of goals and Son was on fire, but. The second time round that Kane's been injured, that's when Tottenham were just completely fallen away, and Son, in some ways, has. Um, you've got to bear in mind he, he played. I think it was in the he played in the World Cup. Then he went off to the Asia Cup, yeah. didn't he? So he's played an awful lot of games this yeah, season, yeah. and maybe he wasn't able to carry the team like the others were, like like he could do earlier in the season, which is why Lucas Moura ended up stepping up. So you're right; they they do have a number of issues that are slightly different to Liverpool's. Yeah, and and I think you know also with Kane, you know, I, I actually. I actually wouldn't mind seeing him in, in the starting lineup as well, just because I think from what I've seen of him previously, I think he takes a few games to get back into his stride when he's been out. Um, and I don't, I don't see how he can be sharp and at his best, having not, not played any football for two months. What would um, your smart money be on if he was fit? I don't think he plays. Well, I, I, I genuinely, I genuinely don't know. Like I said, I've, I actually think it could actually benefit, benefit Liverpool if Kane does start. Um, and then they've got a few others, haven't they, that are on the on the way back as well from from injuries. You know, they've got Vertonghen. Yeah, yeah. Vertonghen. You know, does Winks. yeah. And you know, it's it. Yeah, at the moment, you know, you, on the one hand, you'd say the the bigger break between the end of the Premier League and the Champions League final probably benefits Tottenham in terms of giving players who were injured a chance of, of being back fit for it. But it also means that Pochettino has got a lot more on his plate in terms of trying to pick a team than, than Klopp has at the moment. Going back, obviously, to the initial question I asked James about slightly devil's advocate, would any players be upset about missing out? Something that we mentioned on the pod after the Barcelona game, which has been overlooked slightly, was an interview that Dayan Lovren did uh, with LFC TV, where he was basically saying, you know, it was a great night, etc., etc. But he also got asked, do you f- 
the point being, look, you're not playing, so do you feel any any less involved? And he said, no. He says, no, I don't. And he says, this time last year, I was playing, and I could see what all the players who, who were not playing, how they were all you know, rooting for us and we're all part of the same same squad and all this like you know, one team and all that kind of thing. And he said, Now it's my time, it's my turn, sorry, to be on the other side of it, to be the one looking on the sidelines. And I'm gonna do what they did for me last year by supporting me. And because when obviously when they score the goal, uh Origi scores, one of the first people who who celebrates is because he was warming up was was Lovren. He's there in front of the cop, isn't he? And you could tell from his face he was delighted. But he also knows that he's almost certainly not going to be playing in the final. But that doesn't mean that he's going to be trying any less. Yeah, and I think that a lot of that comes down to the, the way Klopp has has his group. Um, no one ever feels like they're, they're on the fringes, do they? I mean, even players like Alberto Moreno, he, you know, he's, he's probably so such such a character around the, the, the squad, and you know, things like that are needed. I think um, if Lovren's not playing, but as you say, that he doesn't feel as though he's just a a spare man, he's just, mm. you know, he's still he he has played you know x amount of games this season, however many it is, not as as many as he would have liked with his, his injuries. But I don't think someone like Lovren would feel that he's in any way less worthy of picking up a, a winner's medal on June the first or whatever. I think it's just it's the way Klopp has his players. No no one ever feels like they're getting left out. I remember, I think it was a uh, Kevin Prince Boateng years ago saying Klopp was probably his favourite manager because it, although he was only on loan at Dortmund for like three months. Every single player felt in training that they could stake a claim, even if they hadn't played for once. And I think a lot of that does kind of rub off with, with what Lovren said. That comes back to his man management, because yeah, yeah, he's just yeah. he, that's that's one of his biggest strengths. The fact that he's able to I don't know I don't really understand how he managed to do it to the extent he has done, but he, he manages to make everyone feel as if they're part of something special, and there doesn't seem to be any of that. You know, you see it at other clubs seen it at Liverpool in under under previous regimes that those on the fringes, you know, you know, mope around and, you know, you, you know, you take something like Shakiri in the second half of the season, you, you know, you were thinking, I, w- I wonder whether we might see some quotes coming out about Shakiri, you know, you know, why tell me, you know, why why am I not getting a look in, questioning questioning things? You know, going to knock on the manager's door, but there's, there's just none of that, is there? And, and, he, and, and he ended up putting in the cross for one of the goals against yeah, Barcelona and, yeah. and playing. And, and I think part of it is obviously it's easier to accept you're not playing when the team's yeah. winning and you're part of something which is successful because you'd have to have some front when you to go and knock on Klopp's door after you know some of those performances this season and question question his decisions. But it does also come back down to the type of people that he signed and you know signing good personalities as well as you know elite talent um and even you know Klopp even you know how many times in press conferences this season have we heard him talk about the importance of those on the fringes and and says you know the only you know he he talked I think even a few weeks ago he talked about how he'd never known the standard in training to be so high and he said you know it it can only be like that because those who aren't playing you know are, are, are operating at a level which is so high it keeps everyone else on on their toes and that's a big reason why Liverpool you know, find themselves in the position they're in. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's talk about Manchester City. <laughs> now, they've won a few trophies this season. Um, they won the FA Cup by beating, narrowly scraping past Watford 6-0. Um, James, did you watch the game? 
Yeah, I did actually. Yeah, um, yeah. I, mean, I was in the office and it was on, and the minute that they made it 1 0, it was of no interest to me whatsoever because we, we knew it was going to end. Although I must, must admit, I didn't think we were going to finish 6 0. Yeah. But Watford did well for 20 25. They had a, 20, 20, they had a very good chance at 0 0. It was a good yeah. save by Edison, that. I think it's been overlooked slightly, but uh, those other six goals that went in have kind of <laughs> taken the shine off that save. <laughs> um, but. Afterwards, things got a little bit lively. Uh, Rob Harris from from AP asked a asked a question in the uh, in the press conference after the game, where basically he congratulated City and this that and the other to, to Guardiola, and then he, he posed a little poser about certain financial things. I can't exactly remember what the wording was, but well, he, yeah, it, he it was, like, it was yeah. to do with the Mancini thing, wasn't yeah. it? But basically, that football leaks thing was, um, there was some suggestion that Mancini, when he was manager of Manchester City, was given payments outside of his normal remit or what he should have been off the book payments basically and the question was basically whether or not Guardiola got some as well wasn't it I seem to recall that yeah. was that yeah, was the yeah, question yeah. wasn't it and, and he could he could have just, he said, could have just said no, no and I didn't. moved on but I, and I understand why Guardiola would have been a bit upset because they have just won the FA Cup and he probably wasn't expecting a question like that because you know the, the way sports journalism is we we, we uh, you know we know from our own experience that sometimes you can ask a question at the wrong time and then that shuts down the entire press conference and everybody gets a little bit angry with you um but it was just interesting that his his reaction was that, he, as you say, James, he could have said no, but I think it wasn't just to do with that question. It's through the whole thing that's been building up about certain, he thinks there's a lack of respect for Manchester City's achievements. He's had one or two digs, not directly at Liverpool, but saying if Liverpool would have achieved it, it would have been a remarkable achievement. You know, this, that, and the other, unbelievable if they'd have won the league. But for City doing it, it's like, oh, but then you you can kind of understand that because it's like if if, if Leicester you know Leicester won the league and everyone was like going isn't that amazing Chelsea won it the following year and it was like oh because that was a bigger story as journalists it's a bigger story yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. if Liverpool win it than Manchester City but Manchester City's now become this story whereby instead of people talking about their amazing players which they've got the amazing way they play football which they do the, the amazing manager which he is they're talking about how they ended up getting to this point where they were able to construct this squad this backroom staff this team this Stadium as well, to be honest, where they've been a and and everything else that's come around at the academy. We've all been up there and seen it. It's, it's amazing how they've got it to this point inside the rules that have been set down by uh, the Premier League and by UEFA. Yeah, and I, to, to be honest, I didn't I didn't think there was anything wrong with Rob Paris asking that mm. question. I thought you know, bearing in mind it wasn't completely out of context. It was in a week when City had just been referred um, for breaching FFP. And you know, so so all the the football league stuff that you know the four investigations that are still hanging over them from FIFA, UEFA, the FA, and the Premier League is it is relevant. You can't. I don't know. I know. I, I know. I saw some people. I think even Danny Murphy was on the radio this week saying how it was disrespectful. You know, ruining Pep's. You know. You know, that, that moment that, of yeah, glory. That, that, that prompted an interesting debate, didn't it, with Gary Lineker, where he was basically saying, "Oh, it's 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 not like journalists ever tell footballers how they should be doing their job, but it's, it's slightly different, isn't it? We don't get down to the specifics of saying you should be crossing the ball here and doing this, that, and the other. Yeah, it's just like you've had a good game, you've had a bad game, etc. Yeah. I think you know, I, I, you know, Pep Guardiola said a, f- a few strange things. I think over the last week or so, and you know, he was clearly irked, wasn't he, about. You know the the coverage of City's title triumph, and was talking about how you know if Liverpool had won it, I think he said it would have been an incredible mm. achievement because we won it. He said it's oh, it's just an achievement. Um, but you know that's that, that's just the reality, isn't it? You that, can't, that the you can't have a net spend of like yeah. one point two billion. Oh, you know, it's not a fairy tale story of overcoming the odds and triumphing in the face of adversity, is it? It's you know, City have, have 
you know, they they ran away with the title last season, but for Liverpool's remarkable effort this time around, they would have ran away with it again. So it's you know, and and whether he likes it or not, you know, he he, he obviously feels that it's underappreciated and he deserves greater acclaim to be fair to them they have become the first team ever to win the league cup the fa cup and the league that's right isn't it the first team ever to to do the domestic travel which has been completely completely overlooked but then but then you know watching the fa cup final on the weekend i'm not even sure guardiola was enjoying it by the end towards the end was he yeah yeah sat down rubbing his head because he knew he knew what was coming he knew what was coming i think the margin of defeat made it less impressive if that makes sense because it was but then if you look at man city against watford over the course of the last four or five years they won 6-0 there last year didn't they at, at Watford but so City, this wasn't City a massive surprise 150 million pounds worth of substitutes you know when you you, when you, 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 you can't blame I'm just going to no, say no, you're not you can't, them, no I'm not blaming them and I'm also not blaming Watford because no. Wolves would have perhaps given them a better game but yeah. Watford came from 2-0 against Wolves in the semi-final a Wolves team that have obviously beaten Liverpool beat Manchester United yeah. so it's not Man City's fault that Watford got there and, no, no, no. and played and, like they did and, and, and as we said they got, did well for 25 minutes yeah yeah and you've got a divide you know, you could only take your hat off to how brilliant City have been this season, and you know they are an unbelievable team. And you know, forget all the money he spent. Guardiola has proved himself to be, you know, an unbelievable manager. But the fact of the matter is, people are bound to look at the other side of it, which is the fact you know, that when you're under investigation by four different organisations, that does, you know, a cloud does hang over you know, those those achievements. So. Um, you know, then there's, I am I am baffled by just their kind of the obsession with Liverpool as well. From you know, he, he seemed you know obviously Guardiola felt that you know he name checked Liverpool. You know, you had them the the staff and the players on that plane back from Brighton singing that derogatory version of Ale Ale Ale, which you just think why why when you're celebrating winning the title are you thinking about Liverpool? You know, if, if the shoe would be on the other foot, there's no way that. City would have got a passing mention in Liverpool's celebrations. They haven't got any songs for them, have they? Yeah, well, they're just because no, it's just not it's just not relevant, is it? And then you know, even after the FA Cup final on the weekend, you had that fan bursting into the press box and you know effing and blinding at journalists and, and saying you still sticks stick Salah on the back page tomorrow. And did he know something that nobody else did? Yeah. <laughs> but even even that, you know, is you know comes comes down to like a you know bit, bit, it's weird in itself. But also, you know, Guardiola had said a couple of days earlier, and he bemoaned how the day after City had won the league, Mail Online had a, their lead story was about Pogba arguing with Man United fans. But that's just the reality of, you know, media outlets devote more airtime and column inches to the biggest clubs with the biggest fan bases. And, and I think it does irk City that despite all their success and the money they've spent, you know, in terms of global fan bases, they still don't come anywhere near to Liverpool and United in terms of how newsworthy they are. I mean, without wishing to, you know, give away too much, obviously we have access to the number of people who are looking at certain pages on all the websites across across basically reach PLC, we can see them all. And when the when the uh, FA Cup final was on, there was no Manchester Manchester City stories appearing at all or even afterwards because partly because they've got a very loyal fan base, but all of them are at the game. You know, so they don't have, as James said, this worldwide fan base, which means that they don't. They're building from a. While they are, they've got a club with rich history. It's very much a domestic club, aren't they? Which yeah. is why you look at the thing that James didn't mention is you know, the Champions League final. That's another thing that perhaps has annoyed Guardiola because once again they've not quite got there. They haven't got to the semi-finals for the last two years. Um, that's the thing that they want more than anything, even if it's the the owners who want that more than anything, because they want to have that prestige of being, yeah, we're the best team in Europe and 
often in the world if you win the Champions League, but they can't seem to be able to do that. And you could tell that that still annoys Guardiola a little bit. And it's the fact that, as James said, they aren't a team with a worldwide fan base. But the whole PR thing of what's happened in the last couple of weeks, yeah, if you watch them, just watch the games. You'd want to support Man City because you're winning all the time. And the, the football he plays brilliant and they've got great players and a great manager. But mm. then there's this whole thing of some people believe it's tainted because of where the money's come from and the you know the, the whole we don't want to go down the human rights thing with the owners and this, that and the other. But that's how people perceive it. It's been a it's been a really strange ten days for City, hasn't it? They, they won the Premier League and then they won the FA Cup in consecutive games. But off the field there's just been so many incidents that have just made us like stand back and think what what is going on? Obviously, the Guardiola's outburst, the the song on the plane, the subsequent poor and flimsy apologies from the club and from Guardiola himself, the fan bursting into the press box, all these incidents that just make you think, what what is going on? This is a team who should be reveling in the in the history that they're living through at the moment, and they're not. It's just like what left you, and right. What did you call them? You call them the the angriest travel winners of um, all time? Yeah, well, they are, aren't they? It's even even the the statements to the the New York Times pieces and, and the, the FFP stuff, it's very front foot. It's very firm and accusatory. Of, mm. Yeah, and it's it's um, it's all. I find it all a bit strange. Um, <laughs> which was um, given a bit of a, a a weird slant with Guardiola dancing on on stage, wherever that was last night. To see that on, <laughs> on Twitter, that with all the madness that's gone on, to see him basically acting as a Backup sing, backup dancer for for someone. It's just it's just been a really strange ten days or so for Manchester City and, and Pep Guardiola. I mean, and the fact that we're talking about Manchester City isn't just because it's Man City, but it's because they've obviously been Liverpool's main rivals all season. And as as James has just been mentioned, nearly every single one of these instances has involved Liverpool in some way. Whether it's the fan coming in and saying "Get Liverpool off your back page," whether it's Guardiola just talking about them, they just seem to be. There, don't they? Like, he's not talking a lot about Arsenal or Chelsea or Tottenham, is he? Talk about Liverpool. Well, that, but that's because Liverpool are the only threat to them, aren't they? Mm. They've such a. Well, they finished 26 points, I think, ahead of Chelsea. Was it Chelsea were third? Yeah. Chelsea were third, yeah. Yeah, I think it was 20. Yeah, so. Was it 26? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deal. Yeah, and, you know, that, so that, that, that shows you, doesn't it? You know, they were, you know, they, they were, what was it, a, you know, a point difference. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, and, and also, I think part of it is. The fact that they want desperate, so desperately, what Liverpool are ninety minutes away from delivering, which is the European Cup, and you know, I think Liverpool have annoyed them a lot, a lot this season. I think, I think they, they, you can tell that Guardiola in the City hierarchy in general, you know, feel annoyed by almost like the story surrounding Liverpool. But I, I just don't, I don't really understand where, where, where that comes from because what Liverpool twenty five points behind City last season, so of course. For Liverpool to have closed that gap to that degree, it was like it was unbelievable. And all, all right, they fell short. So it's not. I don't. I don't really. I just. I just find it all a bit baffling. The kind of obsession um, with with Liverpool. And but what I do know is if yeah, Liverpool will annoy them a great deal further if Jordan Henderson's lifting that trophy in Madrid on June the first. The the slight problem City have is, well, it's not a slight problem. It's pro- probably a big one. Um, teams like Liverpool and Manchester United have got their fan base through decades of success. City have, have had, what, maybe one decade of success, maybe five years or so. So it's, they're going to have to continue that success 
for people to basically be born, grow up as football fans and decide that City are the team that they want to follow, grow into adults and continue supporting them. And they're going to need people to do that in huge numbers across the world for the next 20 years. And, and that's how you eventually build the fan base, which isn't there at the moment because there's still a local club with local fans from primarily Manchester. You can buy success, but you can't buy support. I think it's basically what we've learned there. Uh, right, it's also the transfer windows open, James. So that's great news for everybody. Um, <laughs> great news for the people who come up with the rumours. Um, there has been one this week, last couple of days, about Ajax's Dutch centre-back, whose name is... Matthias Delit. Delete. Delight? What are we saying? Delit? I'll, I'll go with Paul Delit. <laughs> yeah, Delit sounds about right. But Liverpool are not interested in him. No, there's been a lot of, <coughs> lot, lot of speculation about Liverpool potentially... Um, being in the market for for Delit, I think um, you know, there were more reports over the weekend, even that, that some discussions have been have been held about a potential deal. But um, no, our information is that, that Liverpool, are, you know, not are they not only not looking to sign him, they're not even looking looking to sign a centre back this summer. Which I don't think is a massive surprise, really, when you think um, I think everyone wants something shiny and new, don't they? That probably quick to overlook just how good Joe Gomez was in the the first half of the season at the age of 21 he's only going to keep keep getting better and better will he you be know, like he, a new signing next season <laughs> I'll, I'll let you write that one um you know oh, Joe, yeah. Joe, Joe Matip has been absolutely top draw in the second half of the season uh we talked about Lovren earlier on I you know the only that was the only thing I wondered maybe if Lovren had reached that point where he thought you know I want to I want to play more regularly I'm not going to get the opportunity here and then if you know if he wanted to move on, I think Liverpool could get decent money for him. And then you'd have to go and sign a centre half, but there doesn't seem to be any suggestion of that at this stage. Um, and then you know even you look further down the line, you know someone like Kajana Hoover, you know seventeen year old kid who we saw make his debut in the in the FA Cup uh, back in January. You know he's one that Liverpool have got massive hopes for in terms of the the pathway for the future. So um, no, it's. You know that I think I think that's one we can discount. I think obviously Barcelona have been have, have been heavily linked with him. You know, Liverpool seem to think that, that that's probably where he's going to be headed. Um, and I, I think like also from speaking to people at Liverpool, there's a feeling that you know, at 60, 65 million quid for a 19 year old um, who's admittedly had a very good season for Ajax, but you know is is still still young and developing. That is a huge sum of cash and uh, also there's no guarantee go straight into the first team is there no so. and, and, and exactly and Liverpool don't you know Liverpool aren't Man City they aren't going to be having 60, 70 million pounds substitutes they can bring on uh, and as squad players that's just not the, the realms they operate in so um, no I think you know, although it wasn't a particularly popular <laughs> it didn't go down particularly well <laughs> bad with, news with, Pierce. With, uh, <laughs> in some quarters um, you know I think Delit won't be uh, won't be joining Liverpool this summer. Of course, do you feel as though perhaps things are all on hold until after the Champions League final? In the sense that obviously there's going to be no moves made before that, but perhaps things might start moving a bit quick. Things we perhaps weren't expected, like say Lovren might turn around and go, you know, I've, I've had a great what was it five years here, but I quite fancy a new challenge. He may decide that he wants to go. It could easily happen, couldn't it? And then so. Everybody who's expecting it to be, you know, X, Y, Z, they need a left back because Mario's going to go, they need a forward because Sturridge is on his way. There could always be something else that just comes up because players might just decide that I want to go somewhere else. Yeah, I think everyone's looking ahead to that game in Madrid, aren't they, in two weeks' time. But beyond that, 
something might pop up a la Fabinho 12 months ago when that, that come out of nowhere didn't it um, I think educated guesses are obviously looking at storage and Moreno leaving and those positions will need to be filled but then I suppose something like that could come up couldn't it someone like Dayan Lover who hasn't featured much, he, he might think that he could play regularly somewhere else. You could have you could have Adam Lallana. I'm just throwing names yeah. at it now. Yeah, I mean Lallana's turned t- t- 31 last week, was it the week before? He hasn't really played that much. He might be looking at it thinking he's got three or four years left at the, the top level. Might he be best served moving somewhere else? Um but the I suppose the heartening thing for Liverpool is you don't really see anyone grumbling about wanting to move or complaining that they're not getting a game. It's all very much focused on on what's happening and, and the success that's that's dangling in front of Liverpool. So uh, maybe after that game in Madrid, we'll start seeing one or two little things um, quicken up. James, final thing, are you expecting a quiet summer? Yeah, relatively. Yeah, I think, um, I think undoubtedly Liverpool won't want anything coming out in terms of incomings before the final. I think um, Klopp will, will want full focus purely on, on that game. Um yeah, I don't. I, you know, I I don't see it being uh, a busy one. I think you know, obviously, some things can things can change. And you think back to last summer where Liverpool felt as if they'd kind of hit a bit of a, a dead end with Allison, and then suddenly that that deal got done incredibly quickly once the the asking price dropped. Um, so you know, you you can't ever make kind of definitive statements, especially this early in the summer. But yeah, from all the information we've got at the moment, it'll be a case of. You know, filling gaps in terms of squad depth, especially at fullback, and you know, in terms of a versatile attacker, I think with Sturridge moving on. Um, but no, I think you know, I think Klopp was quoted as saying it himself only probably about a month ago now. He said, you know, we, we just do not need to spend on the scale that we did last year because he said, you know, this is a squad that's built for the long term, and you you know, you look at the age, the ages of the of these players. You know, I, I don't think there's a there's a single one really in terms of starters that you'd say is now beyond their peak you know their their best years are still ahead of them and the the big thing this summer is they're not gonna you know there'll be rumors because there always are but <coughs> Liverpool aren't gonna lose anyone that they want to keep anyone any player who leaves Liverpool this summer it'll be on Liverpool's terms because you know it, you know it'll be either be a fringe player whose contract is up or a fringe player who decides they want to play more football elsewhere but um you know, the club's in such a strong position now that you know I, I don't think they need to do a huge amount in the market. No cheeky bid for Mbappe then? Get Fabinho to work on him? <laughs> Be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. He did. He did. He came out with something weird, didn't he? This week when he collected an award, he said, mm-hmm. "I'm ready to grow and take on more responsibility, whether that's here or somewhere else." Mm. It? So he's, probably, going to, he's going to Real Madrid. Let's be which, honest. Well, yeah. it probably just means he's, he's trying to get a few extra quid. Yeah, because he needs out it of somewhere. He? Yeah. Um, but no, I would. I would be surprised. But I'll let you. I'll let you write that one that uh, Mbappe won't be coming to Liverpool this summer. Okay, that should do us. Uh, Join us later this week where we'll look ahead to another Blood Red Podcast. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.